0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Lisa Pineda. In this episode of the Dismantling You podcast, Scarlett Lewis talks to me about losing her six-year-old son, Jesse, in the Sandy Hook massacre and how she started the Choose Love movement. Scarlett founded the organization which advocates teaching kids social-emotional skills to help them make positive choices in challenging situations, have courageous conversations, and respond to difficult situations by choosing love. She talks about her courageous ability to overcome the unthinkable and why social-emotional learning is the answer to preventing future tragedies. So before we get started, if you are new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes release and don't forget to leave a review. The more reviews and shares that we get, the more people we can reach, and you never know when an episode can impact someone's life. Stay tuned now for my conversation with Scarlett. Thank you for being with me here today, Scarlett. And for those of you who aren't aware of your story and the Choose Love movement, Let's take a step back so you can share with us what you feel, too, from the experience that left you in a place where this was such a profound choice to make. First, tell us a little bit about your son, Jesse. Uh,
1: I love that question. Thank you. He uh, was um, such an incredible joy from the very beginning. He was I like saying that he was born. Eleven pounds, and uh, so larger than life, and that's kind of how he lived his life. He was loud and boisterous and vibrant, and kept us all on our toes. His energy was incredible. He was confident, courageous, and uh, it, it, it just um, really such such an, an amazing joy, always
0: talk to us a little bit about your community
1: so I live in Sandy Hook which is a little borough of a larger town called Newtown and we are um, pretty actually fairly large when it comes to land space but um, fairly um, fairly rural getting a little bit more suburban but a very tight-knit community and uh, I I felt a little I don't know I didn't I don't think I truly felt that sense of community before the tragedy as uh, I was a single mom working full-time so as many you know dropping my boys off at daycare early in the morning picking them up uh, later in the evening and so not not doing coffees or even drop-offs at the school. Um, so I felt a little bit disconnected and, uh, but, but, you know, there is, there is a beautiful community here for sure.
0: Where did you come from before moving out there to Sandy Hook?
1: So, I'm from Connecticut. I, originally, I was born in Arkansas, but didn't spend much time there. My parents moved to Chicago until I was 12. And then I moved to Darien, Connecticut for my father's job in New York City. So, I grew up in Connecticut. And then, uh, following um, graduation from Boston University, I moved. To back to Arkansas, where I have a lot of family, and worked in investment banking and bond trading, uh, and and had an incredible career there. Um, and then wanted to be closer to my family, so I moved back to Connecticut. And uh, and my search widened to something I could afford. <laughs> I landed in Sandy Hook, and I I really I found um, it was it was at a time where. Uh, real estate was not online. So I had this really thick real estate book. My stepfather's a real estate agent. So he just kind of gave me the entire book and said, find what you want to look at. And so I looked a little bit above my price price range and I found my my dream house, which was really just a little cozy farm. And uh, I remember first seeing it, knowing that this was where I was going to live and this was my home. And here I am 20 years later.
0: Talk us back to the day of the shooting.
1: That day started like any other. Um, I got the boys ready for school and went on my 45-minute commute, uh, talking to a girlfriend the whole way, uh, getting there. Um, just starting my day out with a cup of coffee and sitting down at my desk when one of my coworkers instant messaged me and said that, uh, there had been a shooting in Sandy Hook. And I, I you know, I thought like everyone did though. That's terrible. Um, it, you know, it's in my community, but it doesn't have anything to do with me in particular. Uh, and then someone else came up a, l- a few minutes later and said, it's been at a school, still (laughs) would never have anything to do with, with me or my children. Um, Then we heard it was at my son's school, but that a teacher had been shot in the foot. And I thought, I thought immediately a domestic dispute and, uh, and that we were supposed to go and the parents be reunited with our kids that were being evacuated. And I honestly wasn't Worried until I drove up to the school. Remember, I had a 45 minute commute and I had to park far away and there were helicopters and first responders running all over and parents running uh, with children in their arms. And I, I thought, oh, my God, this is this is a big deal. And by the time I got to the firehouse, which is at the end of the cul-de-sac, most of the parents had already taken their kids. And so I went up and I said to someone official looking, "I'm looking for Jesse Lewis." And he said, well, if if you're you know, if you haven't been reunited with your child, you need to go put their name on a list of missing people in in the back room in the firehouse. And I thought, that's ridiculous. He, he's not I'm not. I'm just going to find him and take him home. I'm not going to put him on a list, and I didn't put him on that list for several hours until I finally, I guess, I finally just uh, ex- accepted that he was missing. In fact, um, we were told that that kids were hiding and they were sweeping, resweeping the school f- and looking for kids. And I thought, well, that makes sense because I had pictured Jesse literally leading a small contingent of his classmates into the woods. And I thought, well, it'll probably take them a while to find them. So I went in and I I remember seeing that list and uh, actually flipping it over to the backside because it was so long. Never in a million years did I think that those people were dead.
0: All of those people. It's hard for me to even imagine that situation with my own son, I can't even fathom what you went through and the other parents went through in the chaos of the scene and how strong you were for your other son and all these people around you. At what point were you able to come to terms with what Adam Lanza did?
1: Well, it wasn't at that moment. That When I was at the firehouse, it was simply survival, um, trying to stay in the present moment, trying to... My son, my other son, my older son, who was in seventh grade, asked if he could come and wait with me. And I said, of course, because when they find Jesse, we'll we'll probably be going out to dinner, <laughs> maybe to Jesse's favorite restaurant. I mean, that was the thinking, right? And uh, so it was really me trying to be present at the, in the moment and model for JT uh, the best way to get through fear and uh, rise above it be strong in the face of it. And uh, it wasn't really until, you know, I knew instinctively that once I realized what had happened and it wasn't really until the following morning, when I read the headlines of paper on my cell phone that I knew what had happened. I, I was dealing with my own loss, leaving that school. And I really, I really didn't understand the the magnitude Of the massacre at that point. It was the following morning when I saw the headlines uh, that I literally dropped my phone and just, uh, it was very tough. Um, And I knew though, in that moment, that someone who could do something so heinous must have been in a tremendous amount of pain. I knew that he was a former student and I know that hurt people hurt people. And so along with the world, I watched the blame start from the very beginning. And, and honestly, I thought, how could it be all Adam Adam Lanza and Nancy Lanza, his mother's fault, if it had happened before? And of course, now we see that it had happened again. In fact, we had six school shootings in March 2020 before the uh the shutdown for the pandemic so i i thought there has to be <laughs> there has to be a different way i know i knew also that what happened was 100% preventable i didn't know how but i knew that i would be a part i would have to be a part of whatever solution it wasn't until a few days later that i came home to that little farmhouse that I described to you, my mom lives across town, so luckily I was able to go there, that I found a message that Jesse had written on our kitchen chalkboard shortly before he died. He wrote three words, nurturing, healing, love. And I knew immediately that if that troubled young man had been able, simply been able to give and receive nurturing, healing, love, And and all that is implied in that, which is the ability to have healthy and meaningful relationships, to manage your emotions, to grow and be resilient through difficulty, um, that the tragedy would never have happened. And uh, to this day, eight years later, that is the message that I'm spreading every day, all day long.
0: That's such a beautiful segue into my next question. Your foundation the choose love movement tell us about it
1: i I knew that I had to be part of the solution I, I literally quit my job and started researching what could have prevented what happened to my son and and so many others and continues to happen um, now on a regular basis in the us and we are wired as, as human beings to be reactive, to focus on the negative, um, and I saw that in, in almost everything that we do and the way that we handle issues. Uh, anti-bullying, suicide prevention, substance abuse awareness, even school safety. Um, we fortify our schools. We put our kids through active shooter drills. We lock them down. Uh, and by the way, Sandy Hook had all of those precautions. They had just had an active shooter drill two weeks before the actual shooting, um, and it did not prevent in any way, shape, or form the carnage that that happened there, uh, And and we are not reducing and preventing the other issues that we're seeing in schools, including mental health issues, anxiety and depression. The the ones that I mentioned, suicide, anti-bullying um, and, and substance abuse, they're at all time highs, not just for kids, but for us big kids as well, because it doesn't stop when you graduate. It, it translates into homes and communities. And so I, I, Went back to Jesse's message of nurturing, healing, love, knowing that that he left that as a message of comfort, but also inspiration, that it's where we needed to turn and and researching those words led me to social and emotional learning, which are. Uh, essential life skills that we're not born with, that help us connect with one another. That is such an essential thing for us to do. We have to connect in order to survive and thrive. And other skills and tools that we need that, that are a direct path to flourishing. And I went back to, you know, my school district. And I said, did you, do you teach this? Has decades of research behind it showing that, you know, students flourish when they have these skills and tools. And they said, well, we've, we spent a lot of money on a program, but um, for many different reasons that they told me it, um, they said, never got out of the box. I'm using air quotes because that literally branded in my brain and I decided to create a solution that could reach every child everywhere. In fact, every individual, because I realized very quickly in my research that I didn't have these skills and tools. I was a college graduate. You know, I'd been supporting myself and my family. However, I didn't have the skills and tools that it takes to have healthy and meaningful relationships, to manage my emotions, to make responsible decisions and more. And so I learned them through helping create this program. And now we offer this lifespan and we call it next generation because it's so much more than just social and emotional learning and character development to the world at no cost.
0: Amazing. So can we just talk a little bit about something you had mentioned about the nature of blame and how it gives your power away?
1: Absolutely. So I would say the opposite of blame is forgiveness for me. And I saw a lot of blame and blame led to anger. It led to resentment. It led to hatred. And it did not lead to a solution. And I did not want to model that for my older son. I, I knew, you know, first of all, I forgave Adam Lanza and people say, oh my gosh, how could you forgive the man who murdered your son? And For me, that wasn't the hardest thing to forgive, (laughs) interestingly enough. I I literally felt compassion for him and his mother. I had been a single mother. I had, you know, tried to get my son's special services and been denied. So I felt compassion for her. She was doing the best she could with the skills and tools that she had, similar to me (laughs) in in a similar position. I felt compassion for both of them. In fact, I had said, which wasn't always that popular, that there were 28 victims in in that mass shooting rather than the 26 that the world saw, because I included Adam and his mother. Um, And the the harder thing for me to forgive were the mistakes that were made um, that were not, taken responsibility for the, the um, individuals that continue to say that Sandy Hook didn't happen. And um, that's particularly painful because, first of all, I know if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And if you don't have the resilience necessary to accept Reality and the fact that things like this are happening in our country on a regular basis. I know it's mind blowing to me too. I sometimes have to take a step back even now and think, my God, what happened? This is the, in America. Uh, but it is, it is happening. And until we face reality and by the way, accept. Responsibility for what's happening to our children. Now, I was like the rest before Sandy Hook. I saw things that were going on and I thought, ah, that's terrible. But what can I do? I'm just a single mom and, you know, scratching by with a living. And I know I can, I know I can do the best with my two boys, but you know, I, I don't, I I didn't feel empowered. Now I know, and yes, it did take the death of my son, the murder of my son, but now I know that one person can make a difference and that we all have to take responsibility for what's going on in our world. I think too often we wait for our leaders to make a difference. Well, if they could have fixed this, they would have. They've had decades. So, so they can't, so it is our responsibility and there is something that we can do. We can make sure that all of our children have access to social and emotional learning in their schools and not just ask the question, hey, do you have social emotional learning? But ask further because the answer will be yes, but ask further, is it being utilized? Is it being embraced? Do you see a benefit? What are the outcomes? Is it is it helpful? Um, this is vitally important because what I'm talking about addresses the cause of almost all of the suffering that we're seeing, in, including violence, it addresses the cause and when you address the cause you can reduce and prevent the suffering before it even starts yes it's a different way of thinking 8 years ago when i started and i was explaining this and you know i would have people say but we have we have we are state mandated to do anti bullying we are state mandated to do suicide prevention and substance abuse awareness but we know that those outcomes you can look at substance abuse awareness outcomes online. You can just Google them right now and they are zero. <laughs> I mean, look at the statistics, suicide prevention. We have escalating suicides all over uh, anti-bullying. You only have to turn on the news to see where anti-bullying is going um, It's risen uh, since we've started officially tracking it by the federal government. So what we're doing isn't working, in other words. And when uh, what is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, we need to shift our focus to addressing the cause of this suffering. And that's exactly what the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement does. And we offer this solution at no cost because we know, and and we are like decades of research, know that giving students, kids, these essential life skills are really the key to success, and flourishing in their lives, we already know that. And and uh, and so, until uh, maybe our 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 state and federal governments wake up and make sure that every child has this, um, I, then we're going to continue. I mean, we'll continue regardless, but, 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 you know, we, we, we need everyone's help. We need everyone to stand up and, and take responsibility and become part of the movement and, uh, and, and help us. We have, we have ambassadors in every state almost um, that are volunteers, mostly educators and they teach, choose love. And they see the incredible results and they have volunteered to take this message statewide. They present at state conferences. They help other districts come on board. Um, they do training and coaching all of this to be part of the solution.
0: It's amazing to see how that following has really taken up. How do you in the moment honor the initial feeling but then shift it over to one that feels better and that is more productive. It's basically that choose love formula, correct?
1: Yes. So the nurturing, healing love translates into a powerful and profound formula for thoughtfully responding in any situation, circumstance, or interaction you will ever have with love. We can't always choose what happens to us. And we know that that the pandemic is a great example of that. But we can take our personal power back through how we thoughtfully respond. And when we respond with love, that's kindness, caring, compassion, civility. We are empowered. Um, When we react with prolonged anger, hatred, revenge, we're giving our personal power away. And we are the definition of victim. So uh, this powerful formula, which starts with courage, (laughs) because courage is the most important character value and the one that underlies all the rest. And then gratitude, nurturing means loving kindness and gratitude. Gratitude is so vitally important and it takes courage to be grateful even when things aren't going your way. But it is gratefulness that leads to happiness. Um, And that actually neuroscientifically strengthens you to consider forgiveness. And forgiveness, um, by the way, is most often kids' favorite character value when they learn it. (laughs) We were told in the beginning, that is too lofty a topic to teach to kids. But kids love it because they say that it feels like a superpower, these are their words, and it feels so good to let it go. Forgiveness is so empowering and and you know, I I know that from personal experience. It cuts the cord that attaches you to pain. If I hadn't forgiven Adam, he would still have control over my thoughts that impact my feelings that then impact my behavior and relationships. And in order to take my personal power back, I cut that cord that attaches me. To pain and gives my power away through forgiveness. And it is so vitally powerful. And there are decades of research behind the benefits to the forgiver. So often we believe that uh, we're giving a gift to the person that doesn't deserve it. (laughs) But in actuality, the gift is to ourselves and it is the strongest thoughtful response. And then that leads into the courage to step outside of your own pain, and even suffering. I mean, we're all connected in the want and need to love and be loved. Yet as human beings, we all suffer. But when we have the courage to step outside of our own circumstances and look for someone else that needs our help, that's compassion in action, we are actually then choosing love. And this formula leads us to doing that in every situation. I use it every day, all day long. I I think about Jesse's courage in the moment when he stood up to the shooter as a first grader that was shooting his way into his classroom. Uh, And when the gun jammed, he yelled for his classmates to run and he was credited with saving nine of his classmates' lives before losing his own. And uh, I think about that courage. That is an extraordinary act of courage. We all have the capacity for that courage. And I'm not talking, I hope nobody ever faces that situation, including myself, but I'm talking about the courage that it takes everyday acts of courage to be kind when someone's not kind to you, to do the right thing, to tell the truth, to face our fear and discomfort instead of resisting, avoiding, and even numbing ourselves from it. And then gratitude uh is, you know, so I, I look at life and I think about Jesse's courage and I think, well, I certainly can show up every day and be part of the solution and 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 do my best to reduce suffering in our world, do the right thing, what I know is the right thing, and research tells me is the right thing. Um, we have a little bit of catching up to do uh in our society, and then um gratitude. It's incredible, but we have, a, as I said, like a negative bias, we focus on the negative and uh, that's in our thoughts as well. So even on the best day, the majority of our thoughts are negative and repetitive, but we can only focus on one thought at a time. So we can only focus on a lower energy thought or a grateful thought. So I literally, you can do gratitude lists, but I just list, tick off gratitudes all day long to keep myself on the straight and narrow, moving forward and productive. And then forgiveness is something that I have to do every day. Forgiveness starts with a choice, but then it becomes a process. And uh, I'll read something in the paper or, you know, I mean, even in our own families, (laughs) um, there's opportunity to practice forgiveness every day almost. And then compassion in action. I will tell you that... From watching JT, Jesse's older brother, and how he thoughtfully responded to the tragedy with uh, compassion and action, and then my own understanding that now we are just here to help one another. That is why human beings are on earth. And interestingly enough, when you lead your life in, in compassion and action and service, that's the most healing thing that you can do. It, and and every day, the time that I spend in service is incredibly filling for, for me. And uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And it all leads to choosing love. And there is an incredible ripple effect that goes out and it is incredibly empowering. And I have learned that one person can make a difference.
0: And serving to others is, it helps with trauma.
1: It absolutely helps with trauma. Uh, I think that that's uh, maybe the most powerful uh, trauma tool that can be taught. Is looking outside your own pain and doing for others. Now there's science behind that as well, but I look at my 12 year old son who had orphan genocide survivors from Rwanda reach out to him, and share love and share their story and tell him, "JT, you're going to be okay. Um, you're going to feel joy again." And I was standing behind him, not not knowing that, frankly, uh, in the early days. And then watching JT at 12 years old make his own mind up to turn around and to raise money to send those orphan genocide survivors to school. And then it made him feel so good and it was so healing that he he sent. Uh, He raised money and sent funds to Uganda to help former children's soldiers build self-sustaining fish ponds and and chicken operations. And he he helped countless severely traumatized kids in in Connecticut and the U.S. And every time he did that, I saw the the beautiful response and flowering within him, uh, compassion and action in practice. And it was so beautiful and uh, that's we include that in our programming um, because you know we there is this thing called post traumatic growth. Um, we as human beings are designed to grow through difficulty. Yet because of our negative bias, we've been focusing on the negative repercussions and going down that path. You go you go where you put your focus. And so um, we, we focus on post-traumatic growth and how we can grow through difficulty and how difficulty is actually used to help shape and mold us.
0: Is it necessary to experience these polar extremes? You know, do we need to have deep pain in order to discover something extraordinary like our, the life purpose that you have now and that you're working on?
1: What a great question! Uh, what a great question. Um, there is actually something called... Um, oh my gosh! It's it, it, you can you can learn and benefit from someone else's experience, and um, so it is not necessary, but it does take courage to look at another person's pain and suffering and to learn alongside them. Um, Interestingly enough, the boys and I, I always tried to be present with them. And so we did not have a TV Um, and thank goodness it was before the time of really cell phones and screens. So we read. And we played games and we looked into each other's eyes. Really important, especially in a time of social distancing. That term alone is such uh, an oxymoron to our physical, mental, and emotional health as human beings. Um, but we read a lot of books. And the books that I chose, um, it looks like hindsight is twenty twenty, but I certainly wasn't doing it for this reason. But I chose books that portrayed Individuals that had overcome tremendous obstacles. Um, I read the book uh, Johnny J O N I about a woman who had uh, dived into a lake and broke her neck, and her journey as a paraplegic. Um, I I read about you know Christopher Reeves and um, the book Unbroken about uh, you know being in a concentration camp. Um, uh, and and surviving and, and thriving so stories of surviving and thriving <laughs> this was our theme and to hear JT talk about it <laughs> it doesn't sound too great uh, of uh, of a theme um as as little boys reading them but I do think that it helped me uh, and I think that it helped JT have some skills and tools that when this happened um, we knew that there was a path forward and that we knew that that ultimately this would strengthen us as it has. Uh, and uh, instead of looking for the dark side and and going within, um, we looked outside ourselves and through service. And it's a process, right? We continue to heal and it will be a, a life process. I still grieve Jesse. I I still cry every day. I I miss him terribly. He was a he was a, a huge presence. <laughs> so, uh his absence is still very much felt. We still live in the same house and in the same community. I drive by his graveyard almost every day. Uh, his bus still stops in front of my house. So there are, you know, incredible reminders. And, uh, and it's still painful, but with the pain, there is also the joy, and, and I can see what his loss has created, and now positively impacting millions of kids. It's absolutely amazing.
0: Maybe one last thought for the listeners who are tuning in and thinking, what's the one step that I can take my life whenever I'm out to actually experience this in a real way, you know, what's the one thing that someone can do on a daily basis to actually feel the experience of choosing love?
1: Well, I would say write down the formula right now, courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion and action, because it is literally taught in that order. And you have to work through that order to gain the courage to be grateful. I would say that everyone today can practice coming to the present moment through their breath, because that is where life is happening. That's the only place life is happening right here and now and a lot of times we're you in know. the past or we're fearing or planning for the future but come to the present moment and practice gratitude. Um you know it's so funny. I I I that is in all the research all the years still the most powerful thing and it's so simple. Simple isn't always easy. It does take concerted effort to come to the present moment, say, uh, in the moment I'm safe and I'm well, and I'm grateful for that. If, if there's, you know, it's a, it's a tough day and you, you know, uh, if it's a real tough day, think about flushing your toilet and having a warm bed to sleep in and running water and electricity. We have an ambassador who's a former, uh, genocide survivor from Rwanda who didn't have those things growing up. Um, and then think about who is sabotaging your mind who you are allowing by the way exactly. to have control over your mind who are you imprisoning yourself for who are you thinking about in negative terms um that that is also by the way every single thought impacting Each cell in our body. So every thought is leading us towards languishing or flourishing. Who are you allowing to imprison yourself? And remember that key that's in your pocket at all times. And it's called forgiveness. And it's simply a choice, a choice that then leads to a process. And then consciously step outside yourself and do something for someone else. And when you're present, Feel how healing and wonderful that feels to yourself. It's a practice. You're not always going to do it. I don't always choose love. <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you know when I I've gotten to the point that when I don't, it doesn't feel good, and I want to get myself back on that path. And uh, and I think that that's something that everyone can do and and find. Every day, those micro moments of joy that are happening all around you, that in your busyness, in your overwhelm, in your distraction, you are missing because they're right there. They're not the things that hit you over the head. They're the little micro moments of joy that are happening every single day that are passing you by because they're in the present moment.
0: Bottom line, choose love. Because yes. It feels better and it's more powerful. So yes. tell, I'd love for you to tell our listeners where they can reach out to you, especially if they want to share and follow this movement.
1: Absolutely, please. We're on all the social media. You can go to our website, chooselovemovement.org. Um, I would highly suggest, sign up for our email. It's called Daily Dose of Love. And every single day in your inbox, it's not just another email. You get an example of how schools, homes, and communities are choosing love all over the world. And it can inspire you to do the same. Go to your schools, make sure that they have an SEL program, that it is in place, embraced by all and being used every single day. It's not another thing. It is a part of what you do every single day, all day long. And, uh, we, we have programming for the home, download our home program and start using it today in your home. Practice it. It's a practice. So you're not going to be perfect. That's okay. It, and what you said, something, uh, really poignant, Lisa, you said choose love because it feels good. Bottom line. We all want to feel good. Choosing love feels good anger hatred resentment feels bad you can choose love to feel good so go on our website take part we have a community forum as well uh join the forum join uh invite a friend uh start posting and liking we would love that uh reach out to me share your story of choosing love we would love to hear from you this is a this is a family and we are we need we need everyone to come together to join the movement so that we can continue to make positive changes in our world. We now is the time through the pandemic. uh, We're all outside of our comfort zone. That means we're in our growth zone right now is the time that we can create the world that we want to live in. So please help
0: us. Amen. I'll leave it at that. And I just want to say I'll I'll be sure to include all that information in the show notes. Uh, thank Scarlett you, Lisa. Lewis. Thank you so much for sharing your inspiring, powerful and healing story with my audience. It's been my honor and my pleasure to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been an honor. Jesse Lewis has left an extraordinary legacy and no doubt his love is being spread everywhere and has motivated this movement. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. You can always find out more information by going to the Dismantling News podcast show notes or visit my site, Lisa Pineda Yoga. Thank you so much for listening. You know, it's these mindset shifts that truly make a difference. Until next time, here's to dismantling you.